Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Oh no, it happened. Your buyer's financing was denied. Maybe it wasn't your buyer, but maybe it was the buyer who was attempting to purchase your listing. Financing denied. What the heck are you supposed to do about it? Well, realtors, stop letting your deals die. Stop giving up so easily. Deals go sideways for many reasons. And as such, there are many solutions to solving these issues. Use this guide to get through your transactions and make your transactions get back on track. Guys, listen, here's the bottom line. In a market like this, it's changing really, really fast. We've been talking about this on our podcast continuously for the like, I don't know, the past year, but really in the past six months. We have seen so many changes, so many, I would say, unpublicized changes to the way loans are being uh, processed and approved or denied. That if you're not becoming, at least, not an expert necessarily, but if you're not becoming fully versed on what it takes to get a loan approved nowadays, you're going to find yourself needlessly suffering. And what we're going to be doing as much as we can today on our half hour that we have with you guys is we're going to be going through a lot of the reasons why a deal may, uh, you know, a deal as in buyer's financing is denied and what you can do about it. That's right. So again, today's discussion, financing denied. You guys hate hearing that. We used to hate hearing that. It happens usually right before underwriting. We know it happens. We're hearing about it more and more. So what to do about this, whether it is your buyer or the buyer on your listing, if it hasn't happened to you yet, put this in your brain as what I need to know before I need to know it. Because if you're doing any level of business, it will happen to you. But rest assured, we personally have closed thousands of transactions over our real estate career, but also have coached thousands of coaching clients to meet or exceed their goals. So the following are tried and true solutions to deals dying due to financing issues. We've done 100% of these solutions and have coached clients to successfully do the same. It's worth mentioning, um, again, we always have to remind ourselves that a lot of you listening to us and watching us on YouTube are new to the real estate business. By new, I mean, if you've only been in this business for really five years or less, you're effectively new because we're entering into an all new market. And I, here's what I want you to remember. The loan process is done the opposite of how a real estate, uh, how you work. In other words, the loan officer, for the most part, traditionally they're trained to not actually spend any meaningful time doing credit checks, doing verifications, doing their job until you have spent countless hours and weekends finding a house for that buyer. In other words, you could have actually been working with a buyer the whole time they uh, cannot purchase because the loan officer that you've been using through this very protracted seller's market has never really learned themselves how to get buyers uh, approved in multiple uh, in different types of markets and different types of changing situations. You do need to learn things like uh, or learn questions that would be resulting in you choosing loan officers that are going to actually get the job done, like asking if there's overlays, asking if there's any additional requirements. And even at that, that loan officer might be giving you obsolete information. We have done many, many podcasts on how to choose a loan officer. Go back and listen on YouTube. Go back and listen on iTunes. Really drill down because you cannot assume the loan officer that you worked with or loan officers that you've worked with in the previous market will be relevant in this market that we have that we are entering into in some cases quickly 
uh, we're quickly entering into this new market in other, uh, uh, you know, really many cases, it's being, it's going to be a seller's market for some time to come. But regardless, one of the things that absolutely positively is happening, it's harder for buyers to get financing, not just because rates have gone up, not just because payments have gone up, but because the lenders without ta uh, talking about it or doing press releases, or in some cases, like I said, even telling loan officers have raised the standards because what you have, let's just uh, really break this down so you're clear before Julie gets to her first point. What you have is the FHA, VA, you'll have essentially Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac lending standards. And those will be what you will read about in the newspaper or in when you go online, newspaper, <laughs> I just did myself. <laughs> when you go online and you're reading about what it takes to get somebody approved for a loan, they're going to say, you have to have a minimum score of credit score of 700. They have to have job, be on the job for, you know, six months or this, that, and the other thing, right? 5% down, whatever it is. But what you don't realize is your friendly local Larry the lender uh, his mortgage company is actually putting overlays or additional standards on top of the minimum standards that are necessary for your buyer to get a loan. And if you don't know the lenders doing that because they sure as heck are not, hey, hey, Steve, how's it going, man? Oh, yeah, man, we got mortgages for your buyer, borrowers. Oh, by the way, we've just made it about 10 times harder for your borrowers to get lenders. Hey, buy, or get a loan. By the way, would you like a donut? I mean, guys, it doesn't happen like that. You have to be educating yourself because again, in a lot of cases, these lenders, they won't themselves know that the rules have changed. The sands of time have shifted under their feet. That's right. You'll hear things like, well, it didn't make it through our desktop underwriting or our underwriters didn't like that. So this comes, we're talking today about all the things that happen when there is either a denial or a delay to a borrower's mortgage loan. Now, a lot of you guys experience this once they're already in contract, but anything we talk about today also applies to finding out before you're maybe even showing them property, ideally, that, you know, they were denied. A, a buyer who you thought was going to buy tells you, well, I couldn't get my loan. Now, if you're on the listing side of the transaction, you should be nervous about the offers you're accepting from co-ops. You should be nervous about the offers you're accepting, even if they come with lender letters from your co-ops buyers. You absolutely should be nervous about the buyers that are showing up in your life and saying, look, at I have a approved lender's letter. That is not good enough in a market like this. And this is the reason, Premier Coaching Clients, we have created for you the ultimate addendum. Julie, tell them what that That's is. That's exactly it. So the, adult, the ultimate addendum saves you from most of what we're going to talk about today, not using it. I honestly, Tim, I think it's almost like malpractice not to use that. So what it does is it is a counteroffer for a listing agent or a checklist for a buyer's agent that goes back and and essentially forces the lender to get them through underwriting and get them to loan commitment a lot faster than normal, causing them to have to check things like all three credit scores, employment verification, down payment verification, ratios, all the things that when you hear from underwriting that dreaded call right before closing, oh, well, we couldn't approve their loan because, and we're going to talk about the four most common problems. We might not get through all of them today, but we're going to talk about that. If you're using the ultimate addendum, you will virtually never have to deal with any of this. Those last minute changes are what's going to be a real punch in the head for many of the listeners, because what they don't realize, um, again, this is the third time I've said this, but it's really critical that you're listening that a lot of the rules have changed and your buyers are in contract working with loan officers who are not essentially applying the higher standards for that buyer to receive a loan. Now, I'm not saying your buyers aren't gonna be able to get the loan because Julie and I are gonna walk you through ways to save the deal, but at the end of the day, be careful who you're working with. Use our ultimate addendum because it forces all parties to be operating essentially at the same level. It forces your co-op 
uh, agents to make sure their buyers are approved. It forces the buyers to be approved. It forces everybody to essentially be operating on the same you know, level playing field. That's the whole point of it. If you want to receive your copy of the ultimate addendum, it's waiting for you over on Premier Coaching. If you're not in Premier Coaching yet, what the heck are you waiting for? It's free. You can join Premier Coaching right now for free. You know what free means? It means you don't have to pay anything. All you have to do is text the word Premier to 47372. Text the word Premier to 47372. Or if you'd like, you can go to members.timandjulieharris.com. Members.timandjulieharris.com. But either way, guys, join Premier Coaching. You get everything we're talking about. You're going to get all of our show notes. But in addition to that, you get the real estate treasure map. You get the 90-day massive action plan. A lot of you are specifically saying, what the heck should I be doing now? Number one, join Premier Coaching. Number two, apply the 90-day massive action plan immediately. Tells you every single thing you should be doing right now because of this market every single day for the next 90 days. What happens on the 91st day? You start over again and you keep on that pattern because you're going to be forming good long-term behavioral patterns and habits. You have listing presentations, buyer scripts, listing, you know, for sale by owner scripts, expired scripts, objection handlers, pre-qualification scripts. Daily coaching. Daily coaching. Oh yeah, did I not mention that? You receive daily semi-private coaching from one of our Harris certified coaches who are proven to be effective, not just as real estate salespeople, but also as coaches in this market. So simply text the word premier to 47372, text the word premier to 47372, or just go to members.timandjulieharris.com. You do not have to be in the United States to join. Just text the word if you're outside of the continental United States, like where Julie and I live in Puerto Rico, that's fine too. Just go to members.timandjulieharris.com or just text the word Premier to 47372. Remember when texting, message and data rates may apply. All right. So back to what happens when that dreaded thing happens to you. Your buyer buyer or your the buyer on your listing loses their loan commitment or doesn't even get there in the first place. So here's the first secret. When you hear that, manage your mindset. Get off the panic button and into action. Here's the rule. And we followed this many times. If the buyer still wants to buy and the seller still wants to sell, you still have a deal. Get to work to solve the problem. Most deals do have a solution. And I really want all of you guys listening to own it. Don't rely on the other agent or the lender to fix this for you. Julie just said something really important. I hope you heard what she said. You're going to have to be the leader in situations like this. And if you're on the listing side, you're going to have to work with the buyer. And in other words, you're going to have to most likely work directly with the buyer's agent's buyer to get the deal done because that buyer's agent probably is massively inexperienced or massively inexperienced in a market like this. Again, if you are massively inexperienced yourself and you know it, the best way for you to get experienced is to have this ultimate addendum. So you have a checklist of exactly what it means to get your buyers approved in a market like this. That's right. Now, before we get started on how to solve some of the problems that come up, if you have a backup offer, because again, many of you are still in a seller's market, be sure you know the facts about that offer before you switch to that deal. Or before you take that offer as a backup offer, send them the ultimate addendum and make them comply. That way you've got a perfect buyer. Sure. Exactly. You're almost waiting for buyer one to flake out because you've got buyer two that's ready to go. That's right. So consider backup offers if you have them, but make sure you know who you're dealing with. Okay. So again, your realtor's guide to saving the deal when financing is denied. Four common problems and how to fix them. And again, we might not get through all four. Note to self, legally... A lender must give the reason a borrower is being denied their loan. So find out the specifics. Now, if the lender won't tell you because you're not the borrower, they must tell the buyer and then you find out from the buyer. 
usually there is a denial letter that is sent to the buyer with some specifics. So that's the first thing, because you can't fix the problem if you don't know what it is. I want to just let me take a half step back. Sure. Okay. So you're on the listing side, you receive a fantastic offer. The seller accepts a fantastic offer. You don't want to change the, the closing days. Perfect. The loan, the, everything looks absolutely brilliant. This is the buyer that the seller has been waiting for. You still need to use the ultimate addendum. Mr. Buyer, Mr. Buyer's agent, we accept your offer. Thank you. It's fantastic. Uh, one, uh, you know, we accept with one change the ultimate addendum, or you can call it whatever the hell you want to call it. We've included an addendum to verify the borrower's, uh, essentially the validity of their lender's letter. And we're going to give you a certain number of days. It might even be three or four days, assuming their lender's letter itself wasn't uh, valid based on the new standards that the ultimate addendum will lay out for you. You give them a certain amount of time to comply with the ultimate addendum. And that sometimes you'll be shocked. Sometimes they're going to be saying like, no problem whatsoever. It's great. No problem. The loan officer is going to get to work. The buyer's going to get to work. All that stuff's going to get done. But other times you're going to see that buyer's going to flake out because they were not that serious in the first place. And as soon as you're through your ultimate addendum, pressing that buyer to actually come up with all the paperwork, that buyer themselves is going to decide to take themselves out of the market versus that. And you know what? I'd rather have you lose that buyer then than I'd rather have you lose that buyer two days before closing. Or it'll come out because they did submit all of their application work that there's something wrong with the loan. Right. You want to find out early. How many of you guys listening, especially my experienced agents, are so tired of finding out at the 11th hour that something's wrong. That's it's, because they didn't make it through underwriting very if, early. If you're experiencing that, you just need to accept the fact that's not normal. That's abnormal. And it's coming from, here it is, responsibility, accountability, your lack of experience. That's you right. need to hold yourself to a higher standard. Your real estate clients are even on your buyer side. They're expecting you to be the professional here. You can learn on the job all you want. Chances are you're going to go broke. How about you just take the shortcut and you obviously learn from the, you know, follow the path that other people have already beaten over the course of the last 30 years and learn from the mistakes of others. You know, a brilliant man learns from his mistakes or a woman, uh, you know, that's great too. But really, you really want to do is avoid the mistakes in the first place by having things like the ultimate addendum. All right. So the first problem that you are, you're going to experience, and again, this is something that is fluid because it's changed in the last really 60 mm -hmm. days, no down payment or a down payment or closing cost issue, or more specifically, trying to save Julie some having to do a lot of reading, more specifically, the uh, interest rate has gone up. Their ability to make the payment has not increased. So in order for them to make the payment so that they can actually afford the payment, afford the house, qualify for the loan, they're going to have to now magically buy the interest rate down. But it turns out they barely have enough money for their down payment and closing costs. And now that you're, uh, the lender's requiring they come up with another, I mean, this happened to Julie and I when we bought our first house, we are early 20s, our mm -hmm. first real estate transaction. The last minute, the <laughs> lender, the interest right. rates went up. They're like a little over 7%. Ooh, boo, hiss. We still are <laughs> happy to take it. Yep. And the uh, they required us to put more money down to buy the rate down to get it so we can actually qualify. And we did it. Mm -hmm. It was fine. Yes. Not unusual. Tim rattled off a whole bunch of different reasons. There also can be a problem with where the down payment's coming from and many other versions of this, but it comes down to a money problem. Either the amount of money for the down payment and or closing costs, because that's part of the out of pocket. And meanwhile, how many of you guys are sitting there on pendings where the borrower also had to guarantee the appraisal difference? So these notes and great drill down are over on Premier Coaching, but some of the things that Julie wrote down, if it's, you know, down payment issues, if it's not enough, how much down payment are you now requiring? Right, Mr. define it. Mr. Yeah. Lender. Next one would be 
would you would changing the load program change your requirement? By the way, the loan officer you're working with is working with a mortgage broker that might not have a loan uh, program that will actually work for your borrower given the changing times. So you need to have multiple lenders that you're working with. And we talked about that obsessively on previous podcasts and over on our YouTube channel. You know, is it possible to use gift, gift funds to make up the difference? Wait, Tim, what are gift funds? Exactly, right? <laughs> so maybe the borrower only has, you know, enough down to put down 5%. And now the lender's requiring that they put down 10%. Can the borrower use that? Uh, get a gift from you know their mother or their dad or whomever else to come up with the extra five percent and you don't have any experience with that make sure your loan officer does can the borrower cash out on an investment account can the borrower get a co-signer or solve the problem that's the worst idea but that is an option is it possible they're guaranteeing an appraisal gap might the seller neg- so this is a long list of all has to do with a lack of we're having a down payment or a closing cost issue and all these notes with great detail are over it's troubleshooting on- basically exactly but- but here's, here's the point of us doing this podcast. You guys, generally speaking, don't have experience with actually fixing this. What happens when they get the denial, Tim? They give up. They say it was denied. We can't close. So if the lender says they had a down payment issue or a closing cost issue, the outline, the questions that Julie has that's waiting for you over at Premier Coaching gives you the specific questions to ask that loan officer, even if it's a co-op's loan officer. Again, be very, very clear. Listing agents, future listing agents. Most times in a market like this, you're going to have to do a lot of the heavy lifting on behalf of your buyer's agent's co-op on your buyer agent co-op because they don't know what the heck they're doing. You're going to have to do the job for them. It's called normal. Don't worry about it. You can form a great team, one of which is a great loan officer. But the point is don't give up. That's right. Don't give up because guys, this is how you become legendary. This is how you become somebody who made that seller so happy. You get multiple transactions, multiple referrals. But these are the questions when a lender says, sorry, can't do it. They don't have enough money down or they have the closing cost problems. Julie gave you a list of what is it? 11 questions to really interrogate that loan officer to find out what's going on. And I'll almost guarantee you that 99% 99% of the time, you're going to discover the loan officer is inexperienced to uh, do loans in a market like this and or the loan officer does not have a product. In other words, a type of mortgage that would work in a market like this. They're not going to tell you that because they don't want to lose the loan. Even after they've dec- uh, declined the loan, they're not going to say, well, my competition across the street has a better you know, a cadre of products, a different types of mortgages that this buyer would qualify for. You're going to have to learn all this. Welcome to the new market. Point number two, Julie, Point ratio two. issue. Let's say they got denied and the lender says their ratios are out of line, out of whack. Well, what does this even mean? Lenders require specific debt to income ratios in order to qualify a borrower for a mortgage loan. They calculate the buyer's total expenses divided by the gross income, which equals a ratio. Now, housing related expenses divided by gross income is an indicator of how much someone's income they're spending on their house payment. Typically, although different lenders have different standards, but this is kind of the the typical, the total debt to income ratio should be 36% or less and the total housing expense 28% or less. Now, if ratios are too high, what does that mean? It means the borrower has too much debt, creating too much cash flow going out the door and not enough towards their mortgage payment. Okay, and in an era now where we have arguably 10%, but probably many of you are experiencing what's closer to 20% inflation, that means all the ratios are going to get screwed up. The lender is not going to tell you, or in some cases even tell the borrower, or the loan officer rather, that the 
essentially allocations and essentially the ratios have changed because they're anticipating inflation to uh, continue on pace, even if it stays at where it is, which are historic highs at close to 10%. Many of you in your actual day-to-day are experiencing inflation that's closer to 20%. The lenders are starting to figure that in to qualification. So if your borrower got qualified or your co-op's borrower got qualified 60, 90 days ago, you can pretty much assume that that is a good, the letter is only good for basically lining a birdcage at this point. You need to make people go through the work again. Now, this ratio problem has become more problematic because what Tim said about inflation a, prices have gone up, which means their payment have gone up. B, the ratio of requirements did not change with the higher prices. And C, higher rates make it make for even higher payments. So this ratio thing is becoming more and more of an issue. But how do you fix high ratios or too high ratios? You ask the lender which of the following would work. Okay? By the way, why are the lenders putting overlays or why are the lenders raising the lenders lending standards? So you have a bifurcation. You, I should, what's a... What's the dihedra? Is that the two-headed uh, dragon? Yeah, yeah. I think so. So you have kind of a dihedra <laughs> thing that's going on in the mortgage industry. You have rising rates. You guys know all about that. Then in addition to that, you have lenders that are becoming more conservative with their lending standards because they're apprehensive about putting out, they're trying to raise the standards of who they're going to loan money to. To lower their risk. To lower the risk because they're worried in the future that they might have a default problem with that borrower. Borrower's not putting down enough money. Maybe the borrower's not, get, doesn't have enough stable job history. Six months ago, 90 days ago, that borrower was right as rain. But now because of this, the economy, we're in, an, in a recession for sure. Inflation is going to increase for sure. And so now you're looking at essentially all these little rules are starting to get changed. You need to get ahead of this so you can be the guy or gal who's actually getting the deals done. Yes. And the other problem with ratios, which will continue to get worse, is as inflation goes up, how are people paying the overage? They're putting it on credit cards, which means their average monthly payment on the credit card is going up, thus continuing to wreck their ratios. So Julie, we have about nine minutes because we know that these guys listen for about- Let me finish this point. Right. So we know they listen for about 30 minutes and then they start going to la la land. So- Yep. That's right. Okay. So what if they do have screwed up ratios? Well, ask the lender which of these would work. The buyer pays off a credit card or a student loan or a car loan, et cetera. Now, could they borrow from a 401k to do this or borrow from bank of mom and dad? Does the loan have to be paid off or just paid down? You've got to ask these questions. Now, again, would a different loan product have different ratio requirements? That could be. Would raising the down payment fix the ratio issue? If so, how much more? And of course, you know, we don't like this, but they can also maybe get a cosigner. Go to Fannie Mae's website, find the loan officers or rather the mortgage brokers in your marketplace that are actually approved to do Fannie Mae loans. Go to the main website, go to see who's actually been licensed, approved to do loans. Not all lenders. Matter of fact, I'll go as far as to say very few lenders are going to be approved in your market to actually do government loans because they haven't had to do them because of the past seller's market. Government loans are oftentimes the saving grace of a deal. There's advanced coaching for you, especially in the normal price ranges. They'll have lower credit requirements. They'll have lower down payment requirements. Now, this and again, overall, they're going to have you know all kinds of little loosey goosey things that you are going to oftentimes save deals. And this is if you're not doing a portfolio type loan, which we're not going to talk too about advanced. now, right? Too advanced. But all this is overall available to you on Premier Coaching. But again, you go to your Larry the loan officer who's been doing all your easy loans for the past seller's market, and you ask Larry the loan officer, "Do you do Fannie Mae loans?" He might even tell you yes, even though the brokerage he works for is not approved to do government loans. What they're doing, follow me here, listeners, advanced coaching is they're rebrokering a 
Fannie Mae approved loan officer or mortgage companies loans. So Larry at Larry's loans can't do government loans, but Sally's loans down the way does. And so what he's actually going to do is he's going to start working with Sally to get that loan done. That is, means that there's going to be extra fees that are going to pay, be paid on top of the normal fees for your borrower, extra hassle, more threat vectors, more likelihood that the deal is not going to happen. Know who you're working with, save yourself the effort, save yourself the risk of failure. That's right. So number three, and this is actually my favorite thing to fix because there's some really creative ways to get around this. And that is if their credit score is an issue. Again, while you're pending, their credit score is going to change. Your credit score, as well as everybody you work with, everyone's credit score changes every single day. And you mentioned this a second ago, Julie. We're seeing, and this is the first, well, not the first time, but maybe the second or third time in our adult lives, we've seen what only could be described as a spike in the use of consumer credit. Yes. And what's happening is that the cost of things have gone up, the incomes have not gone up, and so what people are doing is they're borrowing uh, essentially on credit cards to make ends meet. They're not cutting mm-hmm. back on their lifestyles yet. What So in order to buy groceries and uh, pay for the trip of Disney World, they may have used cash last year, but this year they're borrowing it. Well, what's going to follow this cycle most likely? An increase in defaults in consumer credit. That's right. So when you carry a higher balance on whatever loan, let's say it's credit cards, it actually affects both your ratio and your credit score. So let's say you found out it was his credit score. Again, find out specifically what the actual issue is. Deal killing credit issues come in two forms, low score and or a specifically damaging item like a tax lien or a default that's too recent. And so remember, find out what it actually is. There's three credit reporting agencies, Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax. And what happens is Larry, the loan officer, he's only going to pull, generally speaking, from only uh, Equifax. But there could be some derogatory credit on one of the other uh, bureaus. And you're not going to find out if you're using Larry, the unfortunately lazy loan officer, who doesn't actually do a three merge credit report until underwriting three days before closing. Exactly. You guys get the point. So you got to be careful who you're working with. It really does matter what we're telling you. Now, again, how to fix this first, find out exactly what it is. Then if the score is too low by about 15 points or less, it's probably fixable with some very easy remedies. Use Experian.com to update credit, correct errors. And then there's this thing called Experian Boost, which I won't go into. You guys research it yourselves to improve your score within a few, excuse me, a few simple steps. Now, Clear your voice. You're okay. So, so guys, go to Julie. Just gave you an advanced coaching tip. Go to Experian Boost. You should do this for yourselves. And credit, really, unfortunately, is a bit of a game. But you can make your credit score go up by quite a bit. And again, what we're going to start seeing, we're already seeing it, is the minimum credit score is going to start slightly creeping up. Again, loan officers are not going to show up at your office or are not going to play golf with you and say, hey, guess what, nope. Bob? I got great news for you. All your borrowers who are qualifying with a 750 credit score now have to have a 775. So most likely half of your borrowers no longer qualify. They're not going to tell you that information. You need to know this yourself. So if the score is too low for a loan, the borrower might need to switch to an FHA or another more lenient type of mortgage. If something needs to be paid off, use the same strategies as we discussed in previous posts. Find out what needs to be paid off and how the buyer can pay it off. Obviously, the lesser amounts are easier, but it still may be a solution, so don't give up. Now, we did coach some of you guys. We have given you guys some alternative financing ideas on a previous podcast. Uh, make sure you listen to that or go find it on YouTube where we talked to you about, what was the title of that one? You remember? We were telling them that they can hop, hypothetically get like a 
a, a small second from the seller and things like that. Yeah, I can't I can't remember the name of it, but basically our podcast plus the word financing, how to find it for you. That's true. Or you can obviously join Premier Coaching and the information is waiting for you. It, you guys get the, you know, you're listening to this podcast and this is the number one listen to daily podcast and soon to be YouTube channel for real estate professionals in at least the United States. Why? Because there's no fluff. We're not talking to you about fluffy stuff. We're talking to you about the practical, tactical things. They're going to put you in a position to help people make money. Isn't that the reason you're listening? Yes, it is. So the next natural step is for you to what? Join Premier Coaching. You guys like this podcast. You're going to be unbelievably thrilled with Premier Coaching. Remember, knowledge equals confidence. Ignorance equals fear. If you're feeling ignorant, if you're feeling fearful, don't you think the easiest way for you to you know, essentially make that feeling go away by having the confidence that only comes from knowledge. So join Premier Coaching. Text the word Premier to 47372. It is free. Text the word Premier to 47372 or you can go to members.timandjulieharris.com. I'm doing my best to get through your fourth point, Julie. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, and remember, message and data rates may apply. All right, point number four. Point number four, the home sale of the buyer tanked. Remember, they wrote on yours, not contingent on home sale because they thought they had theirs in the bag and now they can't close on the new house. So... Here's an instance where you do want to take your backup offer if you have one and assuming they qualify. So again, when you take backup offers, no matter what the reason, recheck with the, that person's lender since rates went up and their credit may have changed since you accepted a backup offer. But meanwhile, see if the seller will convert the contract into a contingent on home sale with an escape clause, which I realize is speaking tongues to most of our lender listeners. But in other words, they can try to sell it, the seller can try to sell it to a new buyer who's not contingent on home sale this is kind of like a first right of refusal, which keeps the original buyer, but gives the seller the right to get someone who can close faster. Pretty advanced stuff. So that's right. But again, this is what you need to learn in a market like this. But let's explain to them something you said. So you will get a lender's letter. And again, we have, I think, made loan officers out there be quite self-aware of what they do or don't know at this point, hopefully. But you're going to get a lender's letter and it's not going to mention anything about a home sale contingency. But it is going to say that the borrower needs to put down, you know, $50,000 or wherever the heck it is. Well, guess what? The $50,000 comes from the sale of a home and the buyer and the borrower's, you know, belief was the house was locked up in contract. So the loan officer wrote in there that the borrower's loan office or loan is contingent on putting $50,000 down. They did not put in the lender's letter that's contingent on the sale of their home and that's where the fifty grand was coming from. You figured, well, what the heck? That's good enough. That's like all the other lenders' letters I've didn't received. Didn't look contingent on home sale. Didn't look, didn't say home sale contingency, but the money was contingent on the sale of a home because you didn't drill down because you didn't use the ultimate addendum. You're now essentially at the Mercy. essentially higher risk of losing that borrower. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. You're going to have dominoes. You're going to have, let's say you're going to list a house for, you know, $2 million. Congratulations. It's a great list. And you get it in contract. The person borrowing, uh, buying the house, Lenders letter, everything looks great. They submit the lenders. You, you got the, everything's in contract. And they, you know, no mention of a home sale. And their house is in contract. And this goes four deep, right? So there's one borrower, buy, you know, one buyer buying another buyer, buy, da, 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 all the way up to your $2 million house. Now, what you might discover then is the first guy in this transaction, these domino chains, didn't sell their property. And because all these other agents did not drill down on the lenders' letters that they were accepting, they didn't realize that even though the lenders' letters didn't, or, and the contracts 
didn't show up in their lives saying contingent of home sale. It was actually contingent of home sale. So now you're going to pay the price for all these previous uh, uh, agents and loan officers not actually having done a good job. Which you may not have even been aware of because what you accepted was not contingent on home sale. We had situations like that happen. Our biggest one was five deep, if you recall correctly. Yeah, and I remember, Julie, because the first one was some little dinky, you know, basically tiny house. And Julie and I unrung the bell on all these deals and found out it was all waiting for this first deal to buy, this little dinky house to sell. You know what we did? We bought it. And we bought it and caused all these other transactions to happen. And we practically paid cash for it because we were uh, the money we made off the deal. Okay. That's what you guys can do if you're professionals and you know what the heck you're doing. I also think that might've been where the ultimate addendum started to form. Oh yeah. For <laughs> is, us. is dealing with stuff like that. But the point in us telling you that is a, you know, this comes from experience, but also B, we could have easily given up on that deal. That was one of our more complicated tangled webs that bell to unring as you said it, it wasn't but just, it's still closed but it wasn't just it was five it was five or six deals but we were double ending our our listing we were and, involved in most of them and we were and but all we like exactly they the one person was moving you know exactly we had uh either on the list side or the buy side of multiple of those transactions right. and the the commissions added together was six figures over six figures yeah. worth saving yeah certainly. worth saving right <laughs> But you got to know this, and, the, and what Julie's trying to help you guys understand, and hopefully you get it by now, is avoid the problems in the first place. We had to largely learn on the job. And I have to say, most of our, I'd say, most bitter learning experiences didn't happen from new agents not knowing what to do and making honest mistakes. They came from grizzled veteran agents that knew how to get deals in contract, that knew how to, that, how to take advantage of people. In our case, I remember very clearly who the agent was that first triggered us creating the ultimate addendum. Her her name, her initials were DC, right? And she wrote an offer and sure enough, the no contingency of home sale. uh, We accepted it. We turned down other offers. We were a new agent. So it was like our first year in the business. And guess what? A day before closing, the deal fell out because it turned out her borrower, her buyer had a house to sell. Where are, what the hell are you talking about? It's not in the lender's letter. And then this is where we started to really unring the bell and learn all the things we should have known. Nobody tells you this stuff, guys. Well, honestly, I mean, I didn't, I, it didn't occur to me until that happened that you could secretly be contingent on the sale of something. And in fact, it wasn't even a house. It was a lot. It was like an 800000 And she knew what lot. she was doing. Absolutely. But yep. at the time I thought, oh, well, isn't that interesting that you can be kind of secretly contingent on selling something as long as you're contingent on financing, you could be contingent on a million different things. Yep. You could be contingent on paying off a tax lien or any other number of things, which is why one of the things that's in the ultimate addendum is the lender's letter has to say not contingent on the sale of anything. Anything, right. That's in the ultimate addendum, guys. You really do need this to protect yourselves. But again, you're going to show up in a buyer's life or a seller's life and you're going to have this ultimate addendum and they're going to instantly see you for the professional that you are or soon will be because you're essentially raising the bar. All the other agents, they're going to act like they have for the last 15 years and you're going to see God bless them. A lot of them needlessly suffer and then they're going to go off to do something else for a living because they're not going to make the the turn on the road happens. It's a natural part of, you know, this is what happens in all aspects of, of life. So you got to be the one that's going to be ahead of the curve. Take, take the next natural step. You know what I'm going to suggest you guys do. Join Premier Coach 
coaching. So listen, we got through all four of our points. We did. And I have to say, there's a lot more to it. I just took the top four reasons, yep. you know, credit and ratios and down payment and secret home sale contingency. There's probably another, you know, 10 things that go sideways on a loan denial. And we cover all that in coaching. It's one of those things that, that people bring to the live coaching sessions. Hey, holy tamale, something went sideways. Gosh, I've never heard of this before. They ask the coach, what should I do about this? The coach says, follow these steps one, two, and three, save your deal, get it back to the closing table. That's the, that is your point though. You would think, yeah. like say for example, new agents, you'd yeah. think that your office manager, or your mentor, or your broker, or your whoever else is gonna walk you through all this. What makes you think they know Honestly, they if they've never sold the market like this, if they don't know what we're exposing you guys to now, which frankly most of them won't, what makes you think they're going to be able to help you? They're no, not. You know what they say? Well, you win some and you lose some. Exactly. They're going to quit. They're going to give up. That's their approach. Don't be like that. If you want to be spectacular, learn to do special things. Learn to do spectacular things. You will attract business. You guys want to build your brand? You want to really become an influencer in real estate? I'm air quoting all this. Be the person that knows how to solve problems when other people don't. The world will be in a path to your doorstep. That's how life truly works. The whole faking it till you make it thing, don't even bother with that, guys. Just be the person that makes it because of the fact that you helped other people to be successful to solve a problem, which is buying and selling real estate. So don't give up on your deals when something goes wrong, okay? That was the whole point of today's podcast. Don't give up. Here's how I look at it. You worked really hard, whether you're on that buyer side or the listing side, you worked hard to get that lead. You had to pre-qualify that lead, ideally. Gave up nights and weekends. Yeah. Your, your kids missed you, probably, no guarantees. You, know, you haven't seen your spouse. You probably, <laughs> yeah. you know, all these life- All the gas money, all of the, you know, the nerves, the sweat, going to the appointment, freaking out if you're going to get it or not. And then you, you had just, to do a CMA. You had to do a presentation, objection handle. You had to live through the marketing and the negotiating, all that. And that's you better on, make it close. And that's on the easy side, assuming you didn't get stuck working with a buyer in this market. <laughs> right. And then the deal doesn't close and you guys just say, well, you win some and you lose some. No, that is not how this business works. If you guys go in to see a doctor, the doctor is going to pre-qualify. You don't have insurance. You think you're going to make it past that, you know, tiny little glass window where the nurse or whoever else, the receptionist is asking for your information. You think they're just going to say, well, come on back, even though you can't pay us. No, they are not. They're going to say, come back. Here's some suggestions on where you might and how you might be able to, you know, afford our services. Agents don't do that, or at least they haven't really necessarily had to. But now in this new market, they will. Guys, please listen to what we're saying. Save yourselves from needless pain and suffering. And that essentially not knowing how to do what we just suggested is malpractice in this market. So really drill down, stay focused. Thank you for continuing to make this the number one listen to daily podcast for real estate professionals in at least the United States. To please do, as always, share this podcast with three other real estate professionals that you want to help in this market. Thank you again for keeping us the number one listen to daily podcast. If you're over on YouTube, remember, please do like, subscribe, and click that little bell icon so that you will be notified of our newest uh, real estate coaching and training uh, videos. Go ahead and do that now. Have a fantastic day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>